0: Glad to welcome you today to the Community Adventist Fellowship that meets at 333 East Colorado Street, Glendale, California. Next time, I want to say this to the folks watching this right across the Fruited Plain, right across the United States, up into Canada. Next time you're in Southern California, join us at the Community Adventist Fellowship, 10:45 a.m. for praise and worship, and then the exposition of the Word of God. Our address is 333 East Colorado, Glendale, California. Come join us and come and be blessed. I'm glad to have a special guest here today, Mrs. Jean Kellner. Would you like to come please, Jean? Would you welcome her to our church today? Welcome, Jean. Thank you. Just glad that you're here. Good to be here. Thank you. I had the privilege of baptizing Jean and Mark Kellner just a few weeks ago and uh, mark writes for christianity today and all of that good stuff and you have been for a number of years an officer in a great church that has made a worldwide impact and that is the great organization that calls itself the salvation army Uh, gene tell us a little bit about your training there what you did in the salvation army
1: well i was trained um in new york right up north of New York City in their seminary. It's a two year school. Uh, We study Bible and doctrine. It's a Wesleyan, of the Wesleyan persuasion. um, William Booth was a Methodist and Salvation Army is a a break off of the Methodist Church.
0: Tell us a little bit about the work of the Salvation Army. I admire what we call in Australia, the (laughs) Selvos. Just wonderful people whenever there's a disaster. The Salvation Army people are there, not because of the disaster, but because they're there to help people. So would you tell us a little about the work of the Salvation Army?
1: Sure, um, William Booth was an itinerant minister, a Methodist minister in England, and uh, he was married to Catherine Booth, and they together had a very great ministry. He was particularly impassioned by helping those who society had forgotten um, his missionary spirit was to those people just a few miles away in East, in the East End of London, and um, that was his destiny. He went home and told Catherine that um, he should go to those who, who the church had forgotten mm-hmm. and who didn't have a place in the church. And his idea was soup, soap, and salvation. A man could mm-hmm. not think about God. Say that
0: again. Soup, soup.
1: soap, and salvation. Not bad. Not bad. Mm-hmm. And, and his philosophy is a man can 't even consider his spiritual being um, his soul if he were not if he were struggling for his next meal yes. or didn 't have shoes for his family yes. and he went to the, to those people in, in, in the East End of London and his, he got them saved, tried to get them into the Methodist Church, never intending to make a movement called the Salvation Army, but those people didn't want to go they didn't feel comfortable in the church i guess maybe the church wasn't comfortable with them and so they became first the christian mission then the salvation army and catherine was very instrumental in all of that because she came from a family she was very frail as a child and her mother taught her from home and she also learned to read by reading the word of god Mm. and as a young girl she was very interested in church history and she read of the reformers, and she was very inspired by John Wesley and Finney. Yes. And yes. Um, very much in that revivalist movement and the happy singing of the Methodists and the methodology that they had. And um, <clears throat> she was very, she, her, she, as a child, excuse me, her parents were um, in, they had temperance meetings in their homes, so there, there was no alcohol. So the Salvation Army, a lot of the doctrines have come, not just because William Booth went down to the taverns and yes. the saloons in London, but also because um, Catherine had a strong belief in, in keeping pure and not giving in to those things that can take over in your life.
0: And we have a great feeling of, of oneness with these great people, General Booth and Mrs. Booth their methodology their compassion for the lost and Jean we're just glad that you and Mark are members of our church and our ministry you're valued you're appreciated and you're loved and we welcome you and today I'm going to read a statement that's going to bless you and bless Mark I'm going to read you a statement from that wonderful lady Mrs. Booth so thank you for coming today thank you you for being a part of us you're going to say something else.
1: I just remembered I wanted to tell you one more thing about Catherine Booth. Um, mm. And that is that when William Booth went to decided to preach down in mm. east, the east end of London, he knew that there was no way they could pay their bills. And Catherine Booth was the breadwinner because she was already well-known in the Methodist movement. Mm. And she was a public speaker in churches. She went out and preached. and She spent a whole summer uh, at a Methodist church in, in a summer community in England.
0: So she was a preacher of the word. She was already a preacher of the word.
1: She didn't just, women preaching didn't happen after the Salvation Army was formed in 1865. She was already very much a part of of that.
0: This great movement of revival that has blessed the world. That was
1: how she Mm. got money for the family.
0: God bless you, Jean. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. We're just privileged and glad to have Jean with us and uh, Mark with us. I want to read you now, because that was just a a wonderful introduction to this statement. I'm going to read you a statement by Mrs. Booth. And I'm going to ask you the question, if she were living today, what would she say? She wrote, There has come to be a spirit of antinomianism abroad in the land compared with which the antinomianism of bygone days was innocency itself. What's she talking about, antinomianism? Uh, what does she mean by this antinomianism? Well, it comes from the Greek word nomos the law, and an antinomian is a person who says that the law of God, particularly the Ten Commandments, it's all gone, all abolished. I hear it all the time. She says, there's come to be a spirit of antinomianism. Abroad in the land compared with which the antinomianism of bygone days was innocency itself. God helping me I shall never cease to lift my voice against it. I frequently find in some writings and songs a total misapprehension as to the meaning of the apostles and a total confounding of the moral and ceremonial laws. Now this lady is a mainstream theologian. and What she is saying is good theology. She says, now always mind when you read anything about the law to examine and find out which law is meant. Whether it is the great moral law which never has been and never can be abrogated or the ceremonial law which in Christ confessedly was done away mind which for your salvation may depend upon that point this is pretty serious stuff she says if you get the law of god mixed up the moral law mixed up with the ceremonial law and if you go out and preach that the moral law is done away with mrs booth said you may just lose your soul so this is not something trivial mind which for your salvation may depend upon that point if you make a mistake there, you may be lost through it. Therefore, be very careful. Now I say that people confound these, and consequently there is a perfect hotchpotch of theology in this day, which I defy anyone to understand. I want to say today, and I say this with respect, that we are facing in this land of North America a deluge. No, we're not facing it. We're in the midst of a deluge of crime. And I want to lay the blame today where it ought to be really placed. And that is at the feet of those ministers who teach that the law of God is abolished. I want you to visualize today my beloved friends a great dam and behind that great dam there is a sea a veritable sea of water but there are saboteurs I'm talking today about saboteurs there are saboteurs and in their piety they're saying it would be better if we beat it down that old dam we got rid of that old dam And so they've been taking cases of gelignite and all sorts of things. And they have been working on the destruction of that dam that is holding back the flood of iniquity. And those people who have been working on that dam are politicians and preachers. And in many parts of America they have succeeded in breaking down the dam. And when they broke down the dam there came a flood of death and destruction. And so Mrs. Booth said there's come to be a spirit of anti antinomianism abroad in the land. And she said if you compare what's happening today with what was in the past there's no comparison. And she said that a hundred years ago. And today we're living in a time in America where if you want something, you go and take it. It's all right to steal. It's all right to curse. It's all right to kill somebody if he gets in your way. And we've come to the place today where our schools, our high schools have become places where the teachers are afraid for their lives. And I want to say today one of the main reasons is because preachers and politicians have destroyed the great wall of God's truth. And there's a flood of evil which is sweeping over the world. I'm here today my friend because I have a message for you hot from the heart of God. I want you to take your Bible now and turn with me over here to Romans, Romans chapter 3. And I want every person in the church to get a Bible please if you don't mind. Because Jesus said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I want you to see the text with your own eyes. And I want you to get in the habit of bringing your Bibles to church. This is a Bible reading and a Bible believing church. Romans 3... Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Let me make it very plain today. I believe in the everlasting gospel. I do not believe that a person is saved by keeping the law because none of us have kept the law. We've all broken the law. We've all sinned against God. And the Bible says by the law no one's going to be saved because the law simply shows that we are a race of sinners. But the next verses tell us how we are saved. Would you notice them? Verse 21. But now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. There's only one way that the poor sinner can be saved. There's only one way that you can be saved and that is through the justifying grace of God. We can never be saved by keeping the law because we've all broken the law of God. And the Bible says that we are saved by the grace of God through the blood that was shed for us on the cross. And an antinomian when he reads those texts doesn't read anything else. But I want to take you down a little further. I want to take you down to verse 31 please. Would you please notice this verse 31. The Bible says Paul says. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all rather we uphold the law. Now the grace of God does not nullify the law of God. The Bible says that when a person comes into a great and a true relationship with Christ and when he understands the gospel then he wants to obey the law of God because he's fallen in love with Christ. And the Bible says do we then make void this law through faith? God forbid, yea, as it says in the KGV, we establish the law. Could I have that little book that I gave you doctor please? I want to read to you from my, my hero. The man whom I consider to be one of the greatest saints in the history of the world. And he was the man who influenced America perhaps just about more than anybody else. The man who influenced the great Salvation Army when it came into being. His name was John Wesley. And I've got here his book called 44 Sermons and I want to read it to you. And first... Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. The ritual or ceremonial law delivered by Moses to the children of Israel. Containing all the injunctions and ordinances which related to the old sacrifices and services of the temple. Our Lord indeed did come to destroy, to dissolve and utterly abolish. So John Wesley says yes he abolished the law of the ceremonies. This handwriting of ordinances our Lord did blot out, take away and nail to his cross, Colossians 2. But the moral law contained in the Ten Commandments and enforced by the prophets, he did not take away. It was not the design of his coming to revoke any part of this. This is a law which never can be broken, which stands fast as the faithful witness in heaven. The moral stands on an entirely different foundation from the ceremonial or ritual law which was only designed for a temporary restraint upon a disobedient and stiff-necked people. Every part of this law, the Ten Commandments, must remain in force upon all mankind and in all ages. And then I'm going to read over a little bit further where he talks about Judas. This is pretty strong what he says. But above all these, in the highest rank of the enemies of the gospel of Christ, are those who openly and explicitly judge the law itself and speak evil of the law, who teach men to break not only one, but all the commandments at a stroke. What did our Lord do with the law? He abolished it. There is but one duty, which is of believing. He's talking about the Antinomians. The most surprising of all the circumstances that attend this strong delusion. This strong delusion is that they who are given up to it really believe they honor Christ by overthrowing his law. And that they are magnifying his office while they are destroying his doctrine. Yes they honor him just as Judas did when he said hail master and kissed him. And so the great John Wesley says that the preacher who teaches grace in such a way as to do away with the commandments of God. John Wesley says that man is a Judas. I say what a man was Wesley. What a preacher. What a scholar. A man who was educated at Oxford University. A Church of England minister. Just a little man. Five foot four. Preached 42,000 sermons traveled 360,000 miles on the back of a horse. I want to tell you there's one big problem with us preachers today or with many of us preachers we have forgotten how to work and how to preach the gospel. He was up at four o'clock in the morning preaching to 20,000 miners and expounding to them the law of God and the grace of God and when he died 500,000 lost souls had come to Christ and he says that those people who do not understand the difference between the moral and the ceremonial law and who do away with the Ten Commandments they honor God all right just as Judas honored Jesus when he came up to him and kissed him on the cheek and said hail master. And I want to say today that modern preachers have made a tremendous blunder when they have stood before their congregations and they have taught their congregations that the Ten Commandments are a ministry or an administration of death. That the Ten Commandments belong to the Old Covenant and that the Ten Commandments are done away with. I'm here today to uplift Jesus and I'm here today to uplift the holy law of a holy God. I've got a letter here today I want to read to you. It's a great letter. Dear Pastor Carter, my life has changed so much since I began listening to your lectures on 3ABN. I say thank God for 3ABN. I thank God for the lay people in our church who are going ahead by the grace of God in the spirit of Christ to preach the gospel. I don't believe in any hierarchy. My life has changed so much since I began listening to your lectures on 3ABN. I'm keeping the seventh day Sabbath you spoke of. I've never been happier, felt more peace and contentment inside my life. I feel something beautiful happening in my life is that the Holy Spirit I want to share with you what I've learned from you I couldn't stop myself if I tried I tell everyone who will listen and many who don't that I found Jesus how happy he's made me and that they too can find joy in giving their hearts to him I won't stop until every single member of my family knows what I do and starts attending church services with me on the Sabbath. You don't know how many lives you've changed. Oh no, God's changed them. You don't know how many lives you've changed, how many hearts you've healed through showing them a loving God, a God of mercy, forgiveness and compassion. Is it possible these lectures will be rerun again on 3ABN well Danny that's for you to decide listening to me Danny Sheldon here's a lady who says you're going to run those lectures again (laughs) she says I'm praying for that thank you for giving me a message of hope I'm filled with courage strength and motivation praise the Lord and God bless your ministry a friend of Christ Ginger Burdett thank God that's why we have a television program because we believe in the preaching of the everlasting gospel that leads people to love jesus and leads them into an experience of love and peace and joy and contentment now come over here to the blackboard with me i'm going to talk a little while now on some theology i'm going to talk about the testimony and the law the torah and the Aduth. the eduth is a hebrew word for testimony torah means the law in the new testament the word for law is nomos hence you get the word antinomian now the bible teaches that right in the very center of the world at the crossroads of the world god placed a nation what was it israel and in the very center of Israel God placed a, a, a city. What was it? It was Jerusalem. And in the very, are you folks having a good time in church? Mm. And in the very center of Jerusalem God placed what? The temple, the sanctuary, the tabernacle. And right in the very, very center of the sanctuary or the temple he placed the most holy place. The most holy place. And in the center of the most holy place. He placed the ark. And in the center of the ark. He placed the ten commandments. And in the center of the ten commandments. He placed the commandment that says. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. People tell me. Oh it's not important. Go read your Bible. Go read your Bible. And I want to tell you something that's tremendously important. The word law in the scriptures has got various meanings. The word Torah is a big fat word. And it's got lots and lots of meanings. The law may sometimes mean the ceremonial law. Sometimes it may mean the civil law. Sometimes it may mean the law of circumcision. And sometimes it may mean the Ten Commandments. But there's another word that is used in the Bible in connection with the sanctuary that only, 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 only means one thing. And that is the Hebrew word, a that is translated in our Bibles by the term not the law, but by the term the testimony. I'm going to give you some evidence that cannot be argued against. And I want to say to my friends like Dale Ratzlaff, my dear friends whom I love in Christ. I want to say to my friend up in Oregon. I want to say to all those who today are doing away with the law of God. And stepping out of the mainstream of Christianity. Listen to this evidence. And by the grace of God I urge you to be honest. I urge you to open your hearts. The Bible says come now let us reason together. Reason with me. Come over here please. Exodus 31 verse 18. Exodus 31 verse 18. Exodus 31 verse 18. And turn to the text. Come on please. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 6 turn to these texts. Put the altar in front of the curtain, that is before the ark of the testimony, before the atonement cover, that is over the testimony. Exodus 32 15 and 16. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. My friend God is trying to get a message through to us today. He knew that we would come to a time of hutch-putch theology. He knew that in the last days we would come to a time of antinomianism and confusion. So God said, I am going to give the Ten Commandments a special name. I'm not going to call them the Torah. I'm going to call them the testimony. I challenge every person watching the telecast. Listen, whenever the word adus, testimony, is used In connection with the sanctuary. It means one thing. One thing. The Ten Commandments. Including the Sabbath. Listen carefully. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verses 24 to 26. Listen. You don't have time to look it up. Look it up later. Deuteronomy 31, 24 to 26. Tells us. That God said to Moses. Now Moses, I want you to write the words of the Torah in a book. That's a scroll. He said, don't put it in the ark. Put it beside the ark. And so the Torah, the book, Written by Moses was placed beside the ark. And you can read these texts, such as Deuteronomy 31 24 to 26, proves it. But the testimony, the Ten Commandments, were placed in the ark. People say, But you separate the moral law from the ceremonial law. Yes I do because God did. The Ten Commandments were placed in the ark called the testimony. That only means the ten. And the book of the law was placed outside the ark. Listen carefully. Theologians confuse the two laws but God didn't. When you go to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, God gives us overwhelming evidence that whatever was done away with, the Ten Commandments, are eternal, and that includes the Sabbath. I will prove it. Don't say amen until you know it. Don't say amen. We don't want people in this church saying amen unless they know it. We don't want any tradition. Let me give you the evidence, and then you can say amen. Come over here to Revelation 11, verse 19. Revelation chapter 11. And uh, verse 19 as I turn in the Bible. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19. The Bible says, this is talking about the very last days. Then God's temple in heaven was opened. And within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. The ark of his testament. In the last days John looks up. Now listen to this. Because your salvation may depend upon this. Listen to this, because you need to have a little theology. Listen to this, because you need to know the Word of God. And many of you don't know the Word of God. John looks up in the last days into heaven and he sees a temple. And God looks further and he sees the ark of Almighty God. And then if you come to Revelation 15 and verse 5. Revelation 15 verse 5. After this I looked and in heaven... The temple that is the tabernacle of the testimony was opened. The word testimony in connection with the sanctuary only means the Ten Commandments including the Sabbath. And in the last days John looks up into glory. And he sees enshrined in heaven the Ten Commandments. Including the Sabbath. The ceremonial law was nailed to the cross. But the Ten Commandments are eternal. Now you can say Amen. Amen. Then he looks down upon this earth and sees the people who keep them. Revelation 14 and verse 12. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus A friend of mine whom I love as a brother is a brother wrote a book recently that shows great confusion and said to me John the 10 commandments are the old covenant The Ten Commandments, administration of death. Oh he said I found such a liberty. He may have because he never had it before. If you are finding liberty now it is because you didn't have it before. But don't say I didn't have it. And he says the old covenant is that awful terrible law. The Ten Commandments. And he calls it the ministry of death. General Booth was right. A hodgepodge of theology confused ministers. Come over here to the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, verses 7 and onwards. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with, what does it say, the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Listen. Would you like to know what the new covenant is? Would you like to know what the old covenant is? God gave his holy law. He wrote it upon tables of stone. He called it the testimony. And the people said, all that the Lord has commanded we will do. And the law of God for the vast majority of the children of Israel was never written on the heart but it became a ministry of death. The great tragedy of the Pharisees was that they never had the love of God and they never had the law of God on their hearts. They believed in salvation by works like some of you may. Do, 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 cock-a-doodle-do. They had a religion of harsh legalism, judgmentalism. When you find a person in the church who is called, he believes, by God to judge the deacon, judge the elder, judge the musicians. Judge, 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 judge. You'll know that he is a Pharisee. They had a religion of harsh legalism, judgmentalism. They were critical. They were harsh. They were loveless. They were ardent. They were full of zeal. They were pride and proud. And they were full of self righteousness. And they were the people who had the holy law of God on tables of stone, but never, never on the tables of the heart. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new covenant. I'm going to take my holy law and I'm going to write it on your heart. And you're going to worship me and you're going to serve me because you love me. And every act that you do is going to be an act of love and gratitude. And the Bible in Hebrews 13 says, That is the everlasting covenant. As far as God is concerned, there are not two covenants. There is only one covenant. The everlasting covenant covenant I urge you to read the gospels it is the story of Christ's continual conflict with religious leaders the Pharisees they persecuted him because they were never in a right relationship to God they were under the old covenant You too, whatever your religion, can be under an old covenant. If you think that you can be saved by your works, and if you're hard on your brethren, and if you're critical, and if you're trying to make every person right except yourself, It's because the law is still on tables of stone. It's not upon your heart. And I know in my ministry, I've had literally thousands of people come to me and they've said, Pastor Carter, we haven't been saved. We went to church for donkey's years. It's a long time. Going to church. We were hard on our children. We drove them out of the church. We were hard on everybody. We put everybody down. We tried to make people conform. But in our own hearts we knew we weren't saved. i met thousands of people like that. Thanks be to God I've seen lots of them come to Jesus and fall in love with him. And know that we're saved by grace, by the blood. And when they're saved by grace through the blood, ah, oh, there's a new joy in their lives. You see, they're under the new covenant. Like Ginger Burdett. Listens to the program. Discovers Jesus is the Sabbath a burden. Some people say, oh, the Sabbath of burden. Yes, it is to them. Because they don't know Jesus. That's the problem. The law is a burden to people if you don't know Jesus. But Ginger says, I know Jesus. I love the Sabbath. I've got joy in my heart. I've got peace in my soul. She said, I can't keep it in. I want to tell the world. She's saved under the new covenant. She keeps the commandments not in order to be saved but because she is saved John says first John chapter 5 this is the love of God that we keep his commandments And his commandments are not grievous. He said this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments. When a person falls in love. It's not hard to obey. I want you to think of a young man. He's been working. He thinks he's been working hard. He comes home from work. Oh he's so exhausted. He lies down. On the bed, and he doesn't know how long he's going to live. He's got such a terrible boss who expects him to do something for his wages. He's lying there, and the telephone rings. Will he answer it? He's so tired. But the phone keeps ringing. He says, I'll throw my boot at it. Oh, I better answer it. So he drags himself to the phone. Hello? Hello? Oh, hello. I sound tired. No, I'm not tired. I've never felt better. Come over to dinner. Too tired to come to dinner. It's his girlfriend, his sweetheart. Can I come over? Can I? Of course I will. Will I? Yes, I'll come now. He ran all the way. (laughs) Why? Love. He's under the new covenant. (laughs) He's under the everlasting covenant. He's got it written on his heart. You see? I want to say to my dear friends who don't understand this. Come in out of the rain. Come in where the sun is shining. Some preachers in confusion and ignorance are proclaiming that the law is abolished. In America, if you dismiss somebody, do you say that they're sacked? Ever heard that expression? You're sacked? It means you're fired. Preachers who say that the law is abolished ought to be sacked, fired. I have seven delightful little helpers. I want them to come down now, please. Come down, Krista, and bring your little tribe with you. We have some beautiful children in this church. Glad to see you, sweetie. Lovely to see Aren't they lovely? Aren't they lovely? You know, I rang a call last night, a little lady. She's here. And uh, I was talking to her, and she said to me, Pastor Carter, it's been such a delight talking to you. (laughs) <laughs> isn't that nice when you meet children who are softly spoken and who are well mannered isn't that nice now these little children today I'm giving them new names this little girl's name is Laura when I touch her head I don't want you folks to talk as though you've got laryngitis this little girl's name is La. say it come on her name is Law. but you've got to wait till I touch your head Don't jump the gun. This beautiful girl's name, and this is the Matheson's girl. And I'll just see what I can remember as I go along. She is... And this little guy's name, we're sorry to do this to him, but he'll forgive us. His name today is Sin. Sin. Come on. This is Sin, yeah. And this sweetie's name, and she's such a sweet girl, her name is Grace. What's her name? Grace. That's Grace. And this beautiful little girl whom I'm having difficulty getting a smile out of. I wonder if I just tickled her a little bit. Can I tickle? Her? Are you ready? Okay. Her name her name is Gospel. What's her name? Mm. Law. Sin. And Grace. Grace. You folks aren't doing too bad. And this sweet little girl's name is isn't she is sweetie. Her name is Savior. What's the name? Oh, come on. You've got to do it when I touch your head. No, no, no. Do it, Sam. Do it when I touch your head. Sin. 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 Grace. Gospel. And uh, because we have a Savior, we also have a... Boy, I like this stuff in your hair. I may try wearing those when I'm on television. What do you think about that? This may do something for me. Her name is Church church hmm. yeah that's right and her name is gospel and this is grace, grace. and this is sin. and this is sin. now the Bible tells me that sin is the breaking sin. of the law. yeah and because of sin God has shown us grace and God has got someone else tied up with this you know we need good ones of these As long as they're good ones. And I think we've got a good one here. His name is Preacher. His name is Preacher. Hey, don't you folks jump the gun. Dr. Johnson, you just got to restrain yourself or else you're going to have a heart attack, even though you're a cardiologist. Okay, this is Preacher. Now the Bible tells me very, very plainly that in the very beginning that God had a... But the problem is something happened to the human race. You know what came into the human race? It's called sin. Yeah. And the Bible tells me that sin is the breaking of the law. And you see if there were no law there would certainly be no sin because sin is the breaking of the law. Doing okay? Okay. Okay. Now the Bible tells us that because of Where did abound God's did much more abound, and we need because of which is breaking God's law. Now, the Bible tells me the wonderful story of God's which is preached in the gospel, Gospel, which is the good news, and the gospel, gospel, the gospel is the good news of God's grace, grace, which is to save me from sin, which is breaking God's law. Law. And remember this, if there is no law, then there is no sin. And if there's no sin, there's no grace. And if there's no grace, there's no no gospel. Now the good news is this, that God sent into the world a Savior. And His name is Jesus. And our came preaching the gospel. the gospel, which is the story of god's Grace. how He saves us from, Sin. which is breaking law. god's law. now, if there were no, law. then certainly there would be no, Sin. and there would need no, Grace. and we would not have a gospel. and we would not have a And we certainly wouldn't need a church. Now God has a church. And the purpose of the the church. (laughs) Now the purpose of the church. Is to come and tell us about the. Who came preaching the. Which is the story of God's. Which is how God saves us from. Which is breaking God's. Now, if there were no, then certainly we would not need a church. Now, the church employs the, and the reason we have the is to tell people about the who came preaching the gospel. Gospel. And the gospel is the story of God's grace, which saves me from, which is breaking God's law. Now, there are some confused people today who tell me that there is no law. Well, if there is no law by Honey Bunch, then there is no sin. So we get rid of sin. And if there is no sin, we have no need for grace. So grace goes. And if there is no grace, we have no no gospel. And if there is no gospel, we have no... No Savior. And if there's no Savior, we may as well close down thee and sack the. Preacher. Amen. <laughs>